Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Lighthouse Lookback. My name is Noel Fogelman. Be sure to subscribe to the Lighthouse Hockey Channel on iTunes and wherever podcasts are found. Lighthouse Lookback is a podcast where we catch up with former Islanders, whether they have played just one game or hundreds with the team. Graham Townsend was the first Jamaican-born player in the NHL. Townsend played 45 games in the league, nine of which came with the Islanders. Graham tells me what he's up to these days. Well, I currently operate uh, Townsend Hockey uh, Skating System, which is my, my hockey school. I run uh, boarding camps up in Maine, at the University of Southern Maine in Gorham, and I also uh, run a youth hockey organization where I coach uh, a couple of bantam teams. When uh, when your career was over, was coaching something that you, you thought you'd get into? Yeah, I think later in my career, probably uh, right around the time I played for the Islanders, um, I, uh, I was coached by Butch Goring, and um, you know, I just... Uh, used to talk to Bushy quite a bit, actually, and I was sort of inspired or intrigued about coaching just based on what he was telling me and how he dealt with me and the, the advice he gave me. Um, you know, just, I just felt that I could be that type of coach, too, I thought, you know, and so that's when I started thinking about it. And then uh, when, I, when I played for Dave Hip, it, it kind of solidified in my mind that that's what I wanted to do. He's, he's doing a good job, Edmonton. And, and, and Butch uh, is going to have his number retired, you know, by the Islanders, so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Uh, oh, you, nice. When's that going to happen? Oh, in uh, February. February 29th. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, him and uh, John Tonelli, both their guys, both their numbers are going to be retired. Oh, wow, nice. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, Butch coached you in in the AHL, right? Capital District is that where? Yes, yes, he did for two years. Okay, yeah, and, and you put up some great numbers in, in Capital District. Uh, when when you were kind of like kind of bouncing around with you know going up and down with the Islanders, like what was that like? Were you always kind of like on call waiting for, for you know for for that call from the big club? Pattern, 
And then all of a sudden I start, start thinking, you know, God, is well, this happened when I was playing, when my teammates going up, you know, my, when my teammates going through the same stuff, it wasn't, maybe it wasn't just me. And then I started to think about, you know, trying to find ways to help them. And then so I would, I would use stories from my past to help them navigate their the present, you know. I mean, if that's all I could do at the time was to help them through my own personal experiences. And, um, and that's kind of how I started to look at myself a little bit and, and realize that, because um, I started going through the same issues with my family even after hockey. I, I was a mess around Christmas time. Uh, I was like, I didn't want it. I didn't want anything to do with Christmas. Right. Didn't want to put Christmas gifts up. Didn't want to get gifts and nothing. I wanted nothing to do with it. And so I started going to help. I get to get help for that. And I, and I, started, and I figured out what it was, and, and I started dealing with it. Wow. So is uh, is the holidays a better time for you now? Oh, much. Oh, yeah, much better. Absolutely. The last I'd say the last five five years or so, it's been great. It wasn't until five six years ago that I that I. I made the turn the corner, and that, that was hell. That was 15 years after I retired. I think it was quite a while. Wow, oh, that's great. Now, uh, like you're 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 school now. Um, you're skating school. Like how um how did you actually you know kind of come you know to decide on like you know skating and like you know helping you know players you know reach their potential in their skating. Well, I, um, it, it was, uh, I'd, I'd been trained by a guy in Boston during my playing days, um, my, my, my college days. And, um, you know, I, I, I credit him, uh, Paul Vincent, the, uh, he's the reason why I made it to the National Hockey League. And, um, so then when it came time for my stepson to start playing, I was actually playing for the, uh, for the, for the Capitalistic Islanders. And, um, I happened in, in a, I had a, in a, in a youth hockey program. And I'd noticed that the guy that was running the power skating was really good. In fact, he was my power skating coach in college for a year. He was really good for what he was doing, but uh, I noticed he only showed up to about maybe a third of the, se- of the session. And I didn't like the fact that we're paying for this, this you know, this, this top-end guy, and he was sending high school kids to run sessions. I didn't like that. And especially when the high school kids are kind of, you know, being high school kids, they're talking to each other on the edge, they weren't paying attention to the kids. So I actually went on the ice one day, and took over the ice session when the head guy wasn't there. And the parents liked what I was doing, so one of them asked me to do a hockey school, and I said, no, I, didn't. I have no, no intention whatsoever of being a coach or running hockey, so I didn't want to do it. And then she kept on, you know, kind of kept on thawing me, and then I started to think, you know, well, I'm going to have to send my, my kids to hockey schools anyway, so why not just have them come to my camp and have to pay for it? Right, exactly. You know, all the other all the kids will pay for it. So that's why I did it. And, it tur- and then it, and I realized, wow, you can actually make a living off of this. Cause I, to be quite honest with you, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't think, I really didn't think that anybody would send their kids to a hockey school run by a black guy. i got to be honest with you, that's really what I thought. Right. I, there were no other black hockey school um, directors that I've known until I, I met a guy and brothers, and I ran into him at a hockey school that was, it was called the Black Hockey School, the camp that was sort of... Um, started for inner city black kids in Toronto and I, and I always thought wow I would have loved to have something like that when I was a kid because you know I couldn't afford hockey schools and so I volunteered my time to, to work at this camp and Cam Brothers was there and I discovered he ran his own hockey school which was a really prominent school in Toronto and I was blown away because he was a black guy and he encouraged me to, to do it to do it also and then like I said about a year or two later when the idea, the, the chance came up, I took it, and then it just kind of grew from there, and I, I've been doing it ever since 1993. Wow, no, that, that's great. Now, did you have any issues with like with the parents, like not knowing at first that you, you were a, a black instructor? Did you ever have any issues? Uh, never, that's never. Um, I never had an issue, ever. Um, 
my camp stuff filled up every summer. Um, I've never had a problem at all. It's never, never been an issue. I just, I just, I was, I was more naive and ignorant. I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, I mean, I didn't know that, uh, that it wouldn't be a problem. But it, yeah, people don't care. They just want, you know, they just want a good role model for their children. Someone's going to hold them accountable and teach them, teach them a work ethic. And if they can make it to the next level, then that's a bonus. But most parents just want their kids to be, to be uh, coached by a good role model. That's what I do. I, I, I surround myself with really good role models. Um, all of our coaches are, are, are folks guys that have, have trained. They've all kind of come up through my system. And, and uh, that, that's our number one objective is to uh, help, uh, help develop, you know, uh, you know, young women in the character, integrity, and, and with a work ethic. And, you have all that, and you have some hockey skill. You can play at the level. You know? Right. No, absolutely. You know, and, and a lot of your students, have, you know, made the NHL. Uh, you know, Martin Saint Louis, uh, Jay Peldalfo, to name a couple, and even a former Islander defenseman, Matt, Matt Carpenter, You know, who was a big defenseman. What, what kind of a student was he? Uh, he? He was one of the hardest working guys I've ever worked with. And I, I tell you, um, it was, it was when I was with the San Jose Sharks, and um. And uh, I, I really didn't know much. I've taken a couple of years off from coaching. I, I was actually, for two years, I, I, my wife and I started buying uh, rental properties up in Maine. So I'd been out of hockey for two years, and the Sharks kind of like, they gave me this job. And I saw Matt Carter at first, and another kid named Douglas Murray. Right. I honestly, I didn't know them at all at that seat, but I, knew, I had no clue. But, but just based on what I saw for skill level, I thought there's no way these guys are going to play in the NHL. And then what I did was I gave them an assignment. Um, this was kind of a test. I wanted to see what kind of character they had. And I said, okay, so I gave them an assignment. And I told them, I, you know, I, I see them at training camp. And I said, listen, you can you do this work on your own if you want, or you cannot, or you, or you don't have to do it. But I said, either way, I want to know. I'll know if you did it just by, by how you perform in September. And uh, lo and behold, both guys came back in September, and they, they, they performed the drill perfectly. And I, that's when I realized how hard these guys were willing to work. And I poured every, all my energy into these two guys, and then you know, like 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 I say, the rest of history. Um, you know, I was I was so proud of Matt when I was coaching in Toronto. He was a, he was a prominent member of the Ottawa Senators, and um, he, we played them six times a year. And I tell you, I mean, you're not supposed to say this, but when I played against Ottawa, I was cheering for Matt Carter. <laughs> you know, right? And I and we and we hate Ottawa, but I really I was so proud of that guy for the, for the career. He, he he built that career on hard work, man. Pure hard work, and uh, he's living proof that if you put the time and effort in, man, you can you can do anything you want. Right. Yeah. And, and now he's just now he's just in coaching uh, Bridgeport, you know, for the Islanders and the yeah. NHL. Yeah. yeah. So you're doing great. Uh, so like now, I would imagine now that every every organization has that skating coach that that kind of uh, does what you did, right? Yeah, they they do. When, when I when I was in the NHL, um, there were only three of us in the league that full time guys. Um, and then uh, now every team's got a couple. So, yeah, it's, it's really changed. Right. Now, I mean, I probably know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Who, who, who do you think is the best skater in the NHL right now? Oh, well, I, I think hands down Connor McDavid. Right, um, exactly. I don't think anybody can. I don't think it, i got to tell you another guy. Um, you know, people are going to laugh when I say this, but um, one guy that is an enigma to me um and the reason I say this is I've been in Toronto for four years. I got to see McDavid play um, when he played minor midget for the Marlies. So I got to see that team play for two years right. before before McDavid went off to the OHL. 
And there's another kid on this team, believe it or not. I know at who you're going to say. Speed, yeah, you're gonna, yeah, well, that's the guy. At top speed, I don't think he's got hands as quick as, uh, as what's the space there? Um, oh, jeez, how can I forget the guy's name? Nathan McKinnon. Right. Okay, and he's got hands like Nathan McKinnon. And I'm not saying that McDavid doesn't have, he doesn't have great hands, but I don't think they're as fast as McKinnon because they're the quickest hands I've ever seen in my life. And, and Josh Holstein has that, that ability. You know, and um, so yeah, but as far as skating speed, I, I mean, I think I think McDavid uh, beats everybody hands down. But you know, that that again could be a, to be more of a of, um, of an illusion because he's moving his feet so fast. I mean, I don't know if you put everybody on the on the goal line and told him to race you at the end of the rink. I don't know that he'd blow everybody away. I'm sure there are a lot of guys that can keep up with him, maybe even beat him. But he just has the quickest feet I've ever seen in my life, and um, and that that might that might and it can do a lot a lot. He can, he can maintain that speed with the pop, which is, which is uncanny. I know. So I'd have to pick him. Yeah, he's amazing. And, and you mentioned Hosang, uh, who, I, I don't know, just, it just seems like something, you know, he's always getting in his own way. Have, have you kind of, have you ever had a conversation with him? Try to mentor him or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, I have, actually, um, a couple of years ago. And uh, like I said, I've known, I've known of him right. since he was about 14 or 15. I, I met him one time because I, I had another student who played on that team and through that kid, Jeremiah, his name is Jeremiah Addison, through him I met Josh. And um, so I knew all about him, I read all the articles and all that stuff uh, prior to him being drafted, so I knew everything, you know, as much as, much as the media let on and let me know. And, yeah, we, we sat down and talked quite a bit. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was just, uh, it was, it was, it's just too bad. I, I just, uh, he's, he, he should be in the NHL, but... I think I think um, at times he does he does pick himself on the foot, you know, and it's tough. Yeah, and it was, it was unfortunate this year because uh, he 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 would have he would have made the Islanders uh, or been called up, you know, pretty early because had a bunch of injuries, but he requested a trade right out of uh, right after training camp when he got sent down. So hopefully it'll right. work out with him because right. he's he's an, he's an amazing talent. He just you know hopefully it'll work out. I'm not sure if it's gonna work out here for him though. Right, yeah. Well, it's too bad. I mean, he's getting, he's getting, what is he now, 23, 24, I think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost drafted seven oh. years ago already. <laughs> well, they, they say, they say that the, the brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25, so if that happens, maybe things will turn around for him. Right, yeah. I mean, he's just one of those guys that, that takes more time to mature, but we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. So, like, you, your time with the Islanders, uh, you know, you, uh, I think, I think, you, you played in a line with, um, Ray Ferraro and Benoit Hogue, if I remember, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was the best ride I ever played on. That was awesome. Yeah, and uh, I think you assisted on uh, two of uh, Ferraro's goals. He had a hat-trick one game. You had assisted on two of them. And, he, and he, he's a fantastic player, a great, great skater, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you know, the NHL, you look at a guy like Ray Ferraro, he's probably you know, he's probably a third, third-line center slash second-line potential. But he had over 100 goals in junior hockey, and he, was, he tended to be like a a prominent checker in the NHL, so he's supposed to show you the talent level of that league, you know? Guy could score 100 goals in junior hockey, and, um, you know, they, they put him on a third line with a guy like me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. The, the, the following year, were you, were you up in the, the press box during the playoff run? No, I wasn't. Actually, I didn't, I didn't get called up that year. I was, at, I was at the end of my contract, so um, I knew I was, I was moving on for sure after after that season. Oh, okay. Uh, there was just not a mutual, like, uh, you know, 
you know, to, to I guess uh, for another contract, you know, there wasn't you know a, a interest on both sides, or you you kind of saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, you kind of know what's going on. I mean, at that time I was going to be twenty nine, right? And um, they were going to they were going to sign me just just to keep, you know keep me in the minors and that. So I knew I wasn't I wasn't going to have a chance. But I got a chance with Ottawa. It was a second year franchise, so I knew I had a chance there. They were they were just basically putting their team together yeah. with a bunch of you know, minor league um, uh, journeymen, you know, just to just to get the franchise off the ground. And so I, I figured, you know, that was my best option to play in the NHL. So I went there. And then when, when you signed with Boston, I know uh, Boston is kind of, you know, I wouldn't say friendly, you know, it's kind of a, a racially, you know, interesting city. Did you encounter any issues when you were there? Never, never at all, no, Good. Good. not at all. Um, I've got a lot of friends. I did all my, my training in the off-season in Massachusetts. So I, I, I've, never had, I've never had an issue right. ever in my life in Boston. Right. Nowhere in Massachusetts did I ever feel you know, um, I don't know, uh, attacked or feel uncomfortable ever. Never happened. Oh, good. That's good. What, what about, like, even, like, ro- road trips anywhere else? W- w- were, were you comfortable? Um, yeah, like, in the NHL, it was fine. The only place in America where I ever had, where I ever felt the tension, racial tension, and it, it was really bad, was when I lived in Louisiana. Okay. That, that, was, that was really hard. I mean, that was, like, it was, it was probably people... You know, my neighbors wouldn't even talk to me. And so my stepson's white. Wow. And his friends were not, were told flat out they weren't allowed to come play at my house because of me. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that was in the late 90s. And my son had to deal with that for a year. That's why we moved him out of there, moved him to Minnesota to, to, to go to school and play hockey in Minnesota. I didn't want my son uh, being exposed to that type of environment, you know. It was, it was horrible down there. It was terrible. No, I, I couldn't imagine. I, I, could, I, I, I couldn't believe that I was actually living in America. Yeah, you know? it's yeah, it's still. I mean, was that twenty years ago? And I'm sure there's still plenty, yeah. plenty of spots like right now. I, I doubt that it's changed much. I, you wouldn't catch me down there ever again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't blame you. Not a chance. Maybe, maybe in the New Orleans. New Orleans is more of a, a little safer mostly, but but I wouldn't go anywhere else in Louisiana. There's no chance. Not a chance. Right. And then uh, you were you were coaching in Macon, right? Macon, Georgia. Coaching in Macon, Georgia was great. I love Georgia. Um, I coached in North Carolina. As far as all, all the southern southern um, um, cities that I played in, Greensboro was the best. Uh, I, I thought for, for, for just just the quality of the racial climate, um, people were, the way people treat you there, it was just it was the best. And um, and I also really loved Texas. I lived in Houston for three years, and I, I love Texas. Oh, that's great, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the, the, the making Whoopi, probably the best uh, minor league hockey name ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. living that name down. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Recruit, recruiting was very difficult, but yeah, we, we got by. Right, I'm sure, I'm sure. Now, um, how is the effort going with the uh, Jamaican hockey team? Well, you know, what? Um, I, I'm not working with the, the group that's doing the Olympic program. Okay. I just didn't think that our, our goals were, were on, in, in alignment. Um, I, I, I'm not so I'm not so focused on the actual Olympics. I'm focused on the uh, the grassroots development of, of, uh, of the youth of youth players. I really want to, I really want hockey to be another venue, another avenue for, for kids in Jamaica to uh, to get education. And, and I've got a, I've got kind of this grand scheme, this grand plan. I'm looking at. Um, 
implementing it. So I'm, I'm, I'm more aligned with the guys that are building the arena. Okay. It's a totally two, two separate groups, and I want to be in line with those guys because I I just feel that, you know, that the focus for me is not the Olympics. I'm probably not going to be alive when they have an Olympic team. Right. You know, when they actually play in the game, it's going to take a long time to work your way up from the lowest level of international hockey. Because you have to start at the bottom, and you have, then you have to win championships every year and work your way up to, you know, you gotta, you're going to have to beat you have to beat countries like England and Ireland and that have a well-established hockey programs and that are very good. And you have to, you've got to be Italy and Austria to get to the uh, championship division with the United States and Canada and the, and the Russians. You know, then you have to finish in the top 12 in the world before you can even play in the Olympics. So you can imagine it's going to take a long time to develop to make a talent to be able to compete against Italy and Austria and, and countries like that, you know? Yeah, and I'd imagine you would have to kind of recruit, you know, players early, you know, pluck them from, you know, kind of Canada, if they move up there, kind of convince them they have a better chance of playing, you know, for Jamaica than Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the guys, if we, if we had a program right now today, all right, and even though this would be difficult, because we have to get the Subans, all three, you know, all three Subans right. to play for us, highly unlikely, so let's say, for example, we're playing in Division Two, and we're playing against, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a country out there, let's say Belgium for whatever, for argument's sake. So we're going to have to fill that team with, you're going to have to have a minimum, at the minimum, NCAA Division One players and OHL or you know Canadian hockey players to even have a chance to win that tournament. If those teams, I don't, there's no, there's no way a Boston College is going to let a kid go and play in that uh, Kazakhstan or somewhere for, you know, for the World Championships. Um, the NHL certainly won't let any of their players go for that. There's no way. Right. So, so that's the challenge, right? If the junior hockey team will let their guys go. But, but I don't. I can't see too many colleges. I mean, maybe do it. Who knows? But that's the levelest player we're going to have to attract. And then there's, there's no. So then the only then then when we get to the world championships at the top level with Canada, Canada, Russia, and all them, that's when the NHL would let the Subans go if their teams fail to make the playoffs. So that that's probably let's say 10, 15 years away after after the rink is built, right. which might be five to ten years away. So now we're talking Subban's 50 years old. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So that's, that's what we're faced with. And I don't think the group that I was with really saw that could see that. You know? They, right. It's one thing to dream. I'm all about dreams. And I think dreams come true. But you do have to, you have to live in reality, too. And the reality is you have to get the rink built first. Do that first. And then once you get the program running, then you can start thinking about the, the national team and the Olympics. But... They're putting the cart before the horse, and I just don't—I just don't want to do that anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, how's how's the process with the ring going? What, what, what's, the, what's the biggest holdup? Uh, just you know, typical um, land and government and all that stuff. You know, they just have, you know you have to do you have to do land surveys and environmental studies, and all that stuff takes a long time, right? So you look at how long how long has it been? How long have you been talking about building a new ring? I mean, how long has it been? Twenty years? Uh, it's probably longer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, so there you go. Now, now it's going, but, yeah. but they've had to go through all that red tape, all the, all those jumps through all the hoops. So think of, think of uh, that. And when you're dealing with politics in Jamaica, right. it's a lot more complicated than politics in New York. You know, so if it took the Islanders twenty years, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it's going to take some time in Jamaica because there's a lot of, lot of hoops to jump through. Right. Yeah. Well, I hopefully it gets built in, in our lifetimes, and hopefully the program gets up and running. But uh, Graham, 
Thank you for a few minutes today, Invest the Block. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And a special thanks to Graham for joining me today. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at the first Noel 19 and check out the first two episodes of Lighthouse Look Back featuring Tom Pody and Brad Delgarno. You can go to lighthousehockey.com for the Islander Insight and News. And make sure you subscribe to the Lighthouse Hockey Channel wherever podcasts are found. You can check out the great shows, PT Isles, Islanders Anxiety, Isles Buzz, My Favorite Islander Game, and Islander Award Winners. And we'll see you next time on Lighthouse Look Back.